This episode first aired on our new channel, Leaders in Tech and E-Commerce Podcast. It covers supply chain tech in depth. We do hope you enjoy it and feel free to follow our other podcast as well for the latest episodes. It is great to have with us today, Andrew Kirkwood. Andrew is the Chief Executive Officer at Blue Jay Solutions. With 25 years of experience in the chip supply chain and SaaS market, Andrew provides leadership to the Blue Jay organization through the creation of vision, strategic, tactical, and financial plans, along with the organizational and goal development, performance measurement, and liaising with stakeholders. He joined Blue Jay in January 2019 after a successful 14-year career at Red Prairie and JDA Software, now Blue Yonder, in a number of senior roles. Blue Jay Solution helps companies around the world achieve excellence in logistics and trade compliance. It's in their DNA. Through a blend of data, networks, and applications delivered in the Blue Jay way, the platform powers a frictionless supply chain for thousands of the world's leading manufacturers, retailers, distributors, freight forwarders, custom brokers, carriers, and logistics service providers. 7,500 plus customers. Blue Jay conducts business in 112 countries, has 1,200 plus employees worldwide, and powers a global network of over 50,000 customers, carriers, freight forwarders, and service providers. Hello, Andrew. It's a pleasure to have you with us on the podcast today. Nice to be with you. And let's start with an introduction, because I was looking through, through your CV, and it is impressive, but I wanted to hear from yourself. What are some of the main milestones of your career? And maybe most importantly, what is most exciting about being the CEO of Blue Jay? Yeah, so I've really been, been brought up in, in supply chain. You know, for the moment, I, I studied geography, which whilst a lot of people think it's, uh, it's mapping, actually it's a lot about transportation, logistics, those sorts of things. Actually, my dissertation was based on, on transport and logistics. I got really, really excited in supply chains all those, those many years ago. And throughout my career from being a graduate trainee at uh, CHEP, the, the pallet company, through into technology with, with Dallas Systems that eventually became a company that's part of Infor, I think the really big move for me was, was joining Manhattan Associates when they didn't actually have an office outside of the US. Actually, I was part of the team that uh, set up the office in Europe, uh, just west of London. And we started from nothing. And, you know, going from a, a company like Dexian that, you know, had offices and space and infrastructure to literally nothing really taught me. You know, we had to do support, we had to do implementations, we had to do sales. So very quickly, you know, I learned on the job and it was really exciting times. Manhattan had also just gone public uh, very successfully. And, you know, we went through a period of tremendous growth and I still have many friends and colleagues from, from that wonderful time. So I think really it was, it was Manhattan that taught me a huge amount. And then in terms of developing my skills as a leader, very much that came through at um, Red Prairie and, and into, into JDA, now Blue Yonder, where whilst I spent significant time there through the, the acquisitions, uh, through the various different job roles that I did whilst I was there, it was like changing company many, many times. And, you know, I look at all the fantastic colleagues I've worked with, as well as um, some very, very strong CEOs. You know, I like to think that I've, I've, I've listened and learned and taken the elements of some of the really good things that they did and, and brought that to bear with my own 
styles. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what I've tried to bring to Blue Jay, which is, you know, learning from, from great leaders, but putting my distinct style and taking, you know, what's really a very good company and inherited a really good business, but, you know, we aspire to be most of our supply chain execution company in the world. That's our goal, not necessarily the biggest, but really admired. And that's what we're working towards. That sounds great. And I like that part with admired. And of course, you have uh, you have some strong chips on the shoulder like Manhattan and Red Prairie and now Blue Yonder. I'm sure, like you said, there's this very interesting lessons. Maybe we, we talk about a few of them later. But coming back to Blue Jay, I, I always ask this question at the beginning, and I know you have a very strong sales experience. How would you say Blue Jay is different compared to the other players in the market? Well, I think what, what's different is that we are more than just an application provider. And I, I think we're doing a better job of explaining and articulating that. But we, we talk about Blue Jay DNA, which is data, networks, and applications. And applications are right at the core of our, our business. You know, the things like transportation and compliance, custom software, those sorts of things. But we have our network that has many, many, many companies, thousands of companies interacting with our customers through our, our applications. And then finally, because we're a cloud-first business and we have solutions predominantly on the cloud, we have amazing data. We understand what goods are moving around the world in terms of through, you know, being declared through customs declarations, transportation and the costs. And we're extracting that data to give better insights to our customers. And so I think those things combined make us slightly different than traditional businesses as well as we, we call it the Blue Jay way, which is the way we deliver those services. So, you know, a number of our customers maybe have quite small logistics departments. So we help those customers with logistics services that complement their business as well. So I think, again, slightly different that we have logistics experts within our business helping our customers operate our software more effectively. And that's part of what we call the Blue Jay way. So, I think those things combined make us a little bit different to what I call a traditional supply chain software company. I understand. I wanted to talk about data because you are a platform company. You, you have access and you see a lot of different silos of data, different trends. And we've been through and we are still going through a quite important crisis on a number of fronts, from humanitarian to, to social to economic. Now, if we would take take this data and then look at supply chain trends, supply chain trends that you see happening in the next few months and maybe even longer term, what would you say the most important trends are? I think in terms of, of the supply chain, what the pandemic has proved is that historical data will not help you in a in a crisis like this because it's it's unplanned it it's not happened before if it happened it was 10 20 30 years ago and so i believe that we're going to see the further digitization of the supply chain and by that i mean leveraging data in a different way than we do today and so planning systems are going to need to leverage real-time data to be more effective and more responsive and that's where I think companies like Blue Jay come in because we've got in the cloud all of that real-time data. And we saw some of those trends, whether it be transportation falling off, but also picking back up again, 
So how do we leverage that data and allow, you know, some of those planning applications to, to use that to help the supply chains be far more optimal and, and increasingly responsive going forwards. And that's something we're working with. And I think, you know, that partnership you mentioned with, with Llamasoft is, is a great illustration. You know, that's, that company's got some of the best strategic supply chain algorithms out there. We could spend many years trying to build that capability. And rather than doing that, we've collaborated where we're using our data in the cloud, pairing that with Llamasoft's great you know, intellectual horsepower, let's call it, and the combination creates one of the great, you know, best modeling uh, solutions out there. And the, and the great thing is that we've brought that to market much faster than we ordinarily would do. So that's a great illustration where, you know, companies that may not have collaborated previously have done, and, and in, in a sense, it's for the greater good. It's for helping customers better use the data that they've created to help them plan their supply chains more effectively. And I agree with that. And I think if there is a silver lining in this crisis, partnerships and new partnerships or stronger partnerships is definitely one of them. I would like to go a bit deeper in the partnership that you have with Lamasoft. I'm curious how it started and, and where do you see it developing? And I'm also curious if you can share some of the um, go-to-market examples or implementations that happened and what were some of the results. Well, actually, we were a user of Llamasoft. We actually have a strategic team. I mentioned we have logistics services that we use with our customers to complement their internal logistics teams. And we have a small strategic team that help look and analyze, you know, how they use their transportation and where they have the DCs located, et cetera. So we were a user of that technology. Obviously, I worked with uh, Razat, uh, the CEO at Llamasoft, but importantly, there were relationships through my chief product officer, David Landau, and others that meant that um, as they developed their technology to be available on the cloud, it was natural for them to come and approach us and, and talk to us about how we could partner further. I think it's great we both got major offices in, in Michigan, so we're not far from each other. We have around three to 300, 350 people in, in Holland, Michigan, and they're based just outside of Detroit in Ann Arbor. And that also facilitated that cooperation. So we would, I guess, naturally came together. We have some shared customers. And what I would say is that this wasn't customer driven, this was innovation led. So it was our two companies combining, looking at you know our complementary skills and developing this modeling technology and and it's now that we're working with you know customers in terms of you know implementing and developing it so i'd say it was very much innovation first and us proactively developing it rather than being customer-led mm. and now talking about customers and clients and being an exceptional period we are going through i was wondering what are some of the questions or requests that you receive most often from your current clients, current portfolio. Is there maybe a trend there as well? Yeah, I think that, you know, we're seeing customers, I mean, the first thing they need from us is availability and a solution that's, that's reliable and robust. And, and that's, that's the first thing. You know, something that comes to mind is a food manufacturer that, you know, sh- saw a huge spike in demand for their essential products as the pandemic hit. And, you know, if your solution requires that much demand you know you've got to have something that can instantly scale and i think that's 
That's something that we're really proud of, that we could, at a technology level, cope with that. But then what we've also done is because we have huge amounts of data relating to pricing, spot pricing, all of those things, we've made that available to all our customers so that they could keep their freight moving at as effective cost as possible and in turn keep prices down for, for the consumers. So we've made that available to everybody. We've got freight market index and our, our spot capacity pricing to any customer that wants to use it. So I think, you know, it's, it's responding to a crisis. It's thinking about more than just our business. It's about, you know, people, human, you know, humanity. It's about all of our customers. And I like to think that we've, we've stepped up during this pandemic to, to be as, as responsive as we possibly can be. Mm. And you mentioned this food manufacturer. I don't know if you can share some, some numbers or maybe you have some other examples of clients who have seen excellent results working with the solution from BlueJay. Is there an example or some specific numbers you could share about this? Well, not, not specifics, because obviously I've got to respect reality. But, but to give you, just to, just to reiterate, you know, our transportation solution that predominantly we, we use in, in North America, we saw a 40% volume surge as the pandemic hit. Now, we do have a lot of food and beverage suppliers on our solution, and obviously we saw that stockpiling. But that's, that's an incredible demand spike, you know, makes Christmas look, you know, very small. So that creates a lot of challenges. That creates challenges from, a, as I said, a system capacity perspective. You've got to make sure you can scale. But obviously you see a spike in demand and pricing. And you also had driver shortages because obviously drivers got sick and, and you know, were asked to self-isolate. They thought they were sick. So you had this perfect storm. And so you know, we, we had to be just very, very responsive in that scenario and, and make sure we, we, we ensure business continuity. And, uh, and I'm very proud that, you know, we migrated almost overnight to remote working for 1,300 associates. We have, you know, still 1,300 pretty much associates working remotely and we've maintained continuity. We did put steps in place for remote working. We, were, we extensively used video prior to this. So the idea of of Zoom or GoToMeeting calls was not unique to us. It was something we did really, really very proactively. So in terms of, you know, absolute numbers, I, you know, as I said, I'm going to be a little bit careful in respecting our customers' data. And we are, I'm pleased to say, starting to see across our systems trade moving somewhere towards normal levels. And again, you know, we talk about our data. We anonymize the data but we do use it to look at trends in, in things like global trade, you know, a lot of declarations are done through our systems and we are starting to see that recovery coming through. And, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably positive that the recovery can be V-shaped rather than the doom and gloom economists looking at that U-shaped recovery. I, I'm, I'm reasonably positive that, you know, the, the economy was put on pause and we're going to restart that. And this pandemic will be with us for some time and we've just got to work through it, you know, the world needs to get going again. What we need to do is, is create a climate where people understand the risks, that they understand how to stay as safe as possible, and we, we move on. And that's uh, certainly, I'm, I'm optimistic. It's, uh, it's great to have your opinion on this V-shift. And I also hope to see it sooner rather than later. And the trend is there. And I think you know better than I do that it depends on 
industries and geographies, but there is a strong trend of, of recovery overall. Now, if you were to advise, because I'm sure some clients come to you for clarity, what should we do? So, Andrew, how, how should we prioritize our operations? Should we focus on redundancy? Should we focus on diversifying our suppliers? What do you usually answer to this type of questions? Well, I mean, look, it's very specific to the company concerned. So, you know, this, no one chose this. So, so how, I, how I look at the scenarios and I, all I can do is talk at it about how we've, we've handled this at Blue Jay. So, you know, we've had customers that have, through no fault of their own, literally had their business stop. And so for those customers, you know, we absolutely have stepped out to help them whether it be, you know, delayed payments or whatever we needed to do, those customers that were really heavily impacted, we've done whatever we can to help them. That's the first thing. The second thing, actually, you know, I've had some tough conversation with some customers because we've, we've had companies say, because of COVID, you know, we'd like to have longer payment terms, these sorts of things. And those companies, you know, really have had very minimal impact as a result of, of COVID. And so, my discussion with them is to say, look, we're all in this. And, and whilst I, I respect that, you know, your perspective, I'm trying to help the companies that have really been impacted. They're in fashion retail, you know, it stopped at the moment versus, you know, you're a food manufacturer and actually your volumes have gone up. So I have had some, you know, conversations where I've, I've obviously tried to help, but also others where, you know, just being impacted a bit, well, we're all in that. So. You know, it's been quite hard as a, as a leader to, to, to work through that. You know, you don't want to be, I'll call it challenging with, with customers, but I think, you, you know, we're all, as I said, it's a, it's a team game and we're all in this and everyone's impacted by COVID to, to some degree. And then, you know, from my perspective, we've managed our cost base very effectively during this crisis. So I'm very pleased that we've maintained as full employment as possible. You know, we've not taken advantage of furlough schemes because we we wanted to make sure firstly that we could provide resilient service to our customers we're a mission critical uh, solutions provider productivity isn't as high when you're working remotely so we knew that and also as we come out of of this you know i wanted to make sure that i had the services skills and etc to help uh, start deploying our solutions once again rather than you know being in a situation where i'm constrained to do that so we've got people that have been ready to you know we we've we've had them working on testing and doing other things and internal training and now we're starting to assign those back to projects as we start back up again and i'm delighted we did that you know if i'd you know laid people off we we wouldn't have those skills available now for those customers so that's how we've kind of approached it which is to be pragmatic you know, really manage our cost base very closely, but retain our team so that they're able to deploy our solutions. And, you know, we're now as busy as ever, to be honest. We've just finished our first quarter of COVID working remotely, and I'm delighted that we've exceeded all of our targets in terms of bookings, growth, and everything else. It's excellent to hear. I'm speaking with a few other clients and I can't say they, they have a similar story. A lot of them are suffering in there. It's the second quarter of the year or, or first with COVID and it's definitely have, has impacted the business a lot. And I'm happy to hear it's different on, on your side. 
And I'm curious because you were talking about deploying solutions, implementations, and doing this process of, of deployment remotely, it's by not by any stretch, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And I'm wondering what are some of the challenges and maybe some of the solutions that, that you have seen in implementing working remotely? I think we're, we're very fortunate that, that we're a technology company and whilst sitting in a room as a project team together is definitely more advantageous. You don't physically need to do that. You can still configure software remotely and yes, it, you know, it's not as productive. So I think one of the first things you have to be is realistic and accept that probably teams will be around 20% less productive than they would ordinarily be if they were co-located. So there are some, some practical things there about just being realistic around dates and deliverables. The second thing is, as I mentioned, we, we as a business, and, and this is a real strength, are located across 14 countries, I think it is. But because we are, are spread you know, across the, the globe, we've used collaboration software extensively. We used Teams, we used a GoToMeeting extensively from, from when I joined the business. And so our teams are very used to using the technology and, and understand it very well, which means that we can help our customers get used to it. And so that does make a difference. Uh, for many, many people, this has been sort of unnatural, whereas for us, it, it's not been the case. But also because we're in those different offices and we've been in different stages of the pandemic at different times, you know, we can leverage those resources around the world. You know, our, our New Zealand office, as an example, you know, they're back to work. They're not in lockdown at all. Working normal days. Our, our Australian office was back, but being in Melbourne, they've, they've had to go remote yeah. again. But we're going to see those sorts of things happening as well. So I think it's just about, it is the new norm and you've just got to get on with it. And, you know, I think we've been reasonably successful. And if you look ahead, it's not easy to look ahead, but when you're an optimist, I think it's maybe a bit easier. What's next? What are the big milestones for, for Blue Jay? Are there some expansion plans being made? What about Asia? I know we spoke before the podcast about it. Maybe you can share. Yeah, so, you know, first thing, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the innovation. When I came on board, a lot of the growth had been through through acquisition. So we've been very focused in making sure that those companies that we've acquired, we've integrated well into the business. We, we've recently done an acquisition down in Australia with Expedient Software, and we've worked very hard on, on that whole integration piece. And, and we will continue to look at a strategic M&A. In this market, it's a little bit tougher, but we, we continue to, to look at those things that can be additive to the business, either through, you know, fantastic complementary IP, or indeed it's around helping us expand, you know, internationally. And you just mentioned Asia, that was us creating, you know, a greater base in, in Australia through Expedia. So that's, that's the first thing. Then there's that, that innovation piece, you know, we've released, I think four or five products pretty much in lockdown. Some of those products you know, when I joined the business, weren't even conceptualized. They came through things like hackathons. They came through collaboration with, we, we mentioned LlamaSoft. And in fact, we have three more solutions that we'll be launching later in the year. So we're coming out with some great new innovation in a way that I don't think Blue Jay's done for some time. Um, so I'm really proud of that. And that's really focusing on giving our customers more capability. We really want to have a long-term 
relationship with our customers and, and give them capabilities that could help drive, you know, greater productivity drive, you know, we call it the frictionless supply chain. We're really trying to automate tasks to move goods through a supply chain. And that's really what we're focused on doing. So there's a number of solutions there. And then, you know, if I, if I look at us as a business, I want people to come and knock on the door and want to work at Blue Jay. We've got IP and people. That's really what we bring to bear. And, and we're starting to see that, you know, I get you know, calls a lot at the moment from, from people. And I know partly that may be just due to the pandemic, but they are picking the phone up and, you know, wanting to, to talk to me at Blue Jay. And, you know, if there are great people out there, are always going to be open to, to hiring talent. I think the final point you mentioned was Asia. That's a really critical part of market for us. It's growing very quickly for us. We are very lucky to have great shareholders in Tomastic and, you know, they've been instrumental in, in giving us guidance about how, how we can focus in certain markets in, in Asia. And, you know, we have got a you know, core office there in, in Singapore, which is a great hub for supply chain, as well as, you know, offices in the likes of New Zealand and, and Australia. Yes, I, I have a biased opinion on Singapore and I love it here. But yeah, for sure, it's one of the best hubs in, in the region. And I liked what you said about hackathons. I don't hear a lot of companies in supply chain talk about this type of innovation or innovative activities. That's great to hear. And you mentioned the people and you mentioned hiring. And I wanted to take this chance to go to the part of the discussion regarding hiring leadership and teams. And the first question I have is to talk about culture. And you hinted about this a few times and you said the DNA and you said the Blue Jay way. But how do you define a good company culture and what are you proud of when you're thinking about the culture at Blue Jay? Yeah, so, you know, when I joined the business, there was, they talked about the Blue, Blue Jay way quite a bit. And it's certainly around team. I, I talked about supply chain being a team game. And, and I think how, how you define a good company culture, there's a couple of things that we've, we've done, which is that you, you need to create a culture that you can make mistakes that... You know, you can be transparent and you, you also, you know, a problem shared is a problem solved. So, you know, there are some, some elements that we set out very quickly when I came on board to make sure that people felt that they could, they could share challenges, talk openly and all of those good things. But then what I did was that we set up a team chosen cross-functionally to really establish, you know, what do we mean by culture and values? And... So, so what we stand for really has come from within. It's not come from Andrew Kirkwood. And, and the four kind of statements that we use, we're bold, we listen first, our mindset is open and respectful, and our approach is collaborative. And I think those four tenants really sum up the Blue Jay values, Blue Jay culture. And, and that's kind of what we live by. So, so from many respects, what I'm most proud of is that We've created what we call the Blue Jay way from within, and it's not come from me, it's come from people within the company talking and, and thinking through what, what we're trying to create as, as a business. I understand. And I think you mentioned at the beginning something about not necessarily desiring to be the biggest company in supply chain solutions, but be the most admired one. And I think this falls in line perfectly with, with that. Absolutely. It's about being admired, being as good as we can be. And, you know, 
the biggest car is not necessarily the best car, you know. So it's not it's not just about that. So that that's that's kind of how what we're trying to aspire to. And I, I look at you know when when I joined the, the the business, you know, if you ask what the goals of the business were, to some degree you've got an answer like you know to get EBITDA growth of this or you know it's very I call it numbers. Uh, oriented and and that's important and to some degree that's what I'm accountable to from from a board level is achieving those financial goals but I think you've got to translate that into something that you know employees associates in the business can can relate to and actually impact and you know being you know listening being collaborative focusing on the customer you know, having that growth mindset rather than that fixed mindset, really trying to challenge themselves. If they do those things, you know, guess what? You're going to get, you know, great company performance. So we've kind of oriented it more towards that in terms of how we talk to, you know, employees and, and encourage them to be better than they are today. And if you think about recruitment and maybe you as a hiring manager, Andrew, how do you interview and what are you looking for when you interview for your leadership team? What are some of the characteristics? So, yeah, my, my perspective is, is a couple of things. One is, and you'll like this, is that particularly when you're hiring uh, senior resources, I do look for professionals to help with that because at the end of the day, if it was that easy, you, you know, these companies wouldn't exist. You know, it's a bit... You know, in my mind, you know, you know, we're, we're a supply chain company. We're not a, a professional recruitment business. And, you know, having someone focus, you know, helping create that brief and all of those things, I think is really important. And having a you know, different perspective, frankly, from outside of the business looking in. Second is I tend to interview last. What I'm trying to do is create a very cohesive team i'm very pleased with my leadership group we have a lot of fun together uh, we work really hard and that's through cohesion and so i get peers to interview the roles and you know obviously the the very smart people that i've got working for me and i know that they'll ask those questions but they'll get a sense of of how that person would fit in and could they work together and then when we've gone through that process that's when we get a shortlist and they start to talk to me and, you know, my, my focus really is around fitting in. I can, you know, obviously ask about what they're going to do as a business and their history and all of those things. But I'm constantly thinking, can I see you sitting at the table with my team? When we're in a crisis, you know, are you going to be able to step forward and lead? And, and I think importantly, are they, are they data-driven as well? I'm a big believer in that. The instinct gets you so far, but you must leverage key performance indicators, leading indicators to help you drive the team. I think the final point is that they've got a track record of really good hiring, succession management, and all of those sorts of things. So they're kind of the, the skills, but really important because there's lots of great people out there, to be honest. It's fitting in with your team because I, I can tell you, if, if someone has a character that won't work, it doesn't matter how good they are, they will not be successful, in my opinion. Thank you, Andrew, for saying the, the part at the beginning with, <laughs> with working with professionals. Yes, and of course, I'm biased, but we do see this. And like you said, when you have an outside opinion about the profile and then you go through the process, it's a different, it adds a different quality to the, to the recruitment process. And this part of data-driven, 
I wanted to, to dwell on this because I see a lot of executives who fall into the trap of thinking that if their team is data-driven and if they have a strong, maybe it's a data science or engineering or even their direct reports, they have a strong enough people with data-driven capacity, they don't necessarily have to do it too much or they don't have to go into this type of mindset. What would you say to, to uh, somebody who thinks that way? Well, I, you know, I think that you've got to combine data with instinct, intuition, talent, whatever you, you want to call it, and the two go hand in hand. So, and, and, and so, you know, how, how it's, it's how you use the data rather than the fact that you've got the data in the first place. So, you know, if, if you look at the data that we, we leverage in the business, things like you know product pls or you know as a cloud business you know the, the the data relating to you know disk space and you know cpu utilization or whatever it is you know those things are fine but if you're not tracking them and looking at trends and using them to create leading indicators so that you proactively avoid a difficult situation then what's the point of having the data so i think you have to combine that with obviously expertise and then I think the other way of using data, and you know, I can say at the moment, we're looking, looking at this within our business is you may have an instinct about something because you've got expertise, you've got years of experience. And then what you might do is ask someone to go and get the data to prove or disprove your theory. And I think that's often something that doesn't happen enough, which is the instinct of making changes to a business. But going ahead with it without really validating whether that's correct or you know maybe you know there's some trends that you've seen but they're coincidences they're not actual trends that that are really there and so that's how i i like to use data within our, our business and it's something if i if i look back in my career you know the ceos that have been successful you know i think that they've combined data and, and instinct and leverage those two together you just mentioned this, and this is actually my next question. How do you know you are a successful CEO? What type of tool do you use to measure your success as you? It can be professional, personal. I'm curious to, to hear this, about Andrew. Well, you know, the, it's funny, isn't it? So if you ask me with my instinct piece, it would be <laughs> I've got yeah. happy customers, happy shareholders, happy employees. Okay, so that's how I know I'm happy. But... How do, I, how do I really know? Well, we have conducted customer and uh, employee surveys, and we, you know, since my tenure, our net promoter score, both customers and actually employees has increased by, by two percentage points, and, and that's great, and we're gonna continue to work on that. So, you know, you, you can meet customers, but only so many, and so, you know, measuring that you think you're improving and, and being, being very open about that is, is really important. And then obviously I, I talk about shareholders, well, that comes into things like the performance of the, of the company. And again, that, that's that data approach. But for me, as I said, it's that, it's that process where, you know, if I've got customers, even, even when we, you know, we, I hate disappointed customers, it's the worst conversation to have. But when you're transparent with them, explaining what went wrong and what you're doing about it, and the response from the customer is, yes, I'm happy, that this happened, but I'm really pleased that you've, you've identified the cause, you're taking proactive action, and you know, we've worked with you 
for you know a number of years and we're confident that you're gonna get to work with us and, and continue to improve. When I get those sorts of reactions, it reaffirms you know the, those data points. It's telling me that customers are wanting to work with us. And the same with, with employees. And we, we had some challenges recently and an ex-employee's moved on as has gone gone on to other career things actually took a phone call and and helped us out with some some ideas i reached out to him on linkedin to just say thank you and he's just come back and said you know kind of um no problem i'm always looking out for blue jay so it's almost like you know we've created this sort of family that's not just um, a balloony that uh, aren't just within the business but also externally so to me that's uh that's a great sign yeah that's the long-term game absolutely and for the last question for today, I was wondering, because we have different type of listeners. Some are at the beginning of their career. Most are already well into their professional career. Maybe they're thinking about doing or making a change. Some of them might be affected about uh, because of what's happening. What would be a piece of advice that you've received or you would give to our listeners for a successful career? It's not lucky or it's not about luck. Is, is the advice I would give. Analyze yourself and, and think about how you can improve. So focus on the bad things, the tough things, not the good things. It's easy to kind of pat yourself on, on the back. So, you know, the growth mindset is, is certainly something that I, I, I really believe in. You can always teach a dog new tricks. We constantly improve, but it's not easy. You know, if you pick up a guitar or try and you know, play the piano, it takes practice or learn a language. I think career and, and, and those sorts of things is, is certainly not straightforward. I always, you can read lots of books and they, they're very helpful. But what I've done is I've really observed people in action. And, and as I said, I've tried to take the best bits of what I've seen and combine that with my personality to create the, the person I, I am today. And that's what I would encourage people to do. And I think this is where, you know, I'm slightly at odds with some of the, I'll, I'll call it the, the new news is that companies are going to be actively encouraging remote working forever and all of these things. And for me, with my experience, I can sit at home and work and I, I'd like to be in an office. But I think for those who are starting out in their career, you know, being in an office where they can observe people at work is hugely important. And you can't do that via video. You know, it's very difficult. You have to be invited. And so, you know, we're certainly going to be back to work. We might have have to operate you know, differently with, with sort of mixed shifts and things like that because of, of distancing. But we're going to be absolutely leveraging offices. I think it helps create innovation. We've, we've invested in new offices in, uh, in Manchester, in Hyderabad. We just signed lease in, in, for new offices in Christchurch. I could go on, you know, this is something we're going to continue doing because that's how you get, you know, people on the beginning of their careers to observe, learn and collaborate to create, create innovation. And I'm a big believer in that. And on that note, thank you very much, Andrew, for the sharing. And I wish you and Blue Jay all the best and great success. And even bigger growth and more people and more customers to admire you. Thank you. It's uh, been great to talk to you. And for those listeners, if you're interested in Blue Jay, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and we'll be delighted to try and help you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
If you liked what you heard, be sure to go to www.elcodglobal.com and click the podcast button for all the show notes of the interview. Also, subscribe to our mailing list to get our latest updates first. If you're listening through a streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher, we would appreciate a kind review. Five star works best to keep us going and our production team happy. And of course, share it with your friends. I'm most active on LinkedIn, so do feel free to follow me. And if you have any suggestions on what, what to do and who to invite next, don't hesitate to drop me a note. And if you're looking to hire top executives in supply chain or transform your business, of course, contact us as well to find out how we can help.